Well, good morning. Good to see you all today. We're having a great Sunday. Good to be here in the house of the Lord. I want to uh, start our service off here this morning for all of us here and those of you who are watching us online with a word of scripture. This is from Psalm 138, verses 1 through 5. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name. For your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. What a great scripture as we come back in here to worship today and uh, just affirm God's promises and his faithfulness to us that when we call on him, he is faithful to answer us, to give us strength through these times, these memorable times. I say memorable times. We'll never forget these experiences we've been through in the last eight weeks. And it's so good to be here today. So I want to ask you to join me in prayer as we enter into worship this morning. Lord, thank you so much for uh, this beautiful day that you have created. Thank you for this uh, opportunity to come to gather in your house. We say that a lot, and uh, we've said that many times through our life. Thanks for letting us gather today, but uh, how real that is today to get to say that and to, to put the significance of the time that we have, uh, have been apart. Thank you for this gathering. Thank you for uh, your faithfulness. And even though today might look different, it might uh, look like people aren't, some folks are not here that came earlier or, or uh, wearing a mask seems a little different. You are the same yesterday and today and forever. And that's what we center on when we worship. And you have not changed. And so let us take joy in that and know that the reason we gather here is still the same as it always has been. And I thank you for that. Thank you for this time to come together and worship. Inhabit our praises and be blessed as we sing and worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So why don't you stand with us and as we sing, you're welcome to join us in your heart, in your minds, and with your hands and with our hearts. Let's sing to the Lord. our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You 
These are such great lyrics for us to sing this morning. You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things. Oh God, you do and he extended his love to us while we were sinners. He died for us. He gave us his grace. This is amazing grace. His amazing love that he would take our place and give us a home in heaven. Let's celebrate God's amazing grace.
of praise our Lord for all that he's done for us. He's worthy of our praise this morning. Lord Jesus, we bless your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. I love seeing things click in my son's head. It's taken the better part of the last nine years to master the art of catching this elusive microscopic moment. The instant he realized where hamburgers and his little sister came from have been among the most enjoyable. Third grade has taught Hudson a lot about the roots of our country. So when a business trip sent me to DC recently, I thought it was the perfect opportunity for a father-son trip and for me to watch all the little dots connect in his head about what he'd been learning in school. We saw where the very first president lived. We came all the way out here for this. And we saw where the president lives today.
My son taught me what he'd learned in school about the men who framed our country. And I taught my son about the men and women who are still shaping our country today. And that's why the legislative branch is broken into two different sections. Yeah, but why do they argue so much? We walked in the footsteps of countless men and women who stood up for their rights. And we sat at the feet of the great emancipator, who to this day still sits vigilant over all of our rights. He's a lot bigger in person. Uh-huh. I've been looking for those clicks, those aha moments. But my son surprised me. He had it all pretty well figured out. But we still had one place left to visit. What are these, Dad? These are our heroes, son. What kind of heroes? These are the heroes that made possible everything you and I saw today. These are American heroes, son. Is that a hero, Dad? Click. Yeah, that's a hero. Can we go get pizza now? Those moments never last as long as a father would like. And today I pray that the families of these fallen can somehow feel the goodness of God amidst their loss. Come on, Dad, I've been waiting forever. Okay, let's go. It is because of the sacrifices of our heroes that I have the freedom to experience moments like this. So to all the men, women, and families of those who served in the armed forces, thank you for your sacrifice. You will never be forgotten. Great weekend. It is so fantastic to see faces here this morning. And if you're online, I love worshiping with you. I love knowing that when we sing here, that you're singing there. When we're sitting in our seats taking notes, you're taking notes there as well. Um, I'm thinking about uh, part of the song that our band sings that God is faithful through every storm. Some have us all stand up this morning. We cannot shake hands, but we are going to wave so hard to each other around us that these waves will say, I love you. These waves will say, I'm here for you. They will say, I missed you. If you are at home watching, wave to the TV or wave to the laptop if you want. <laughs> We know that this time is full of different emotions for different people, that some of you are dying to see other people, some of you are dying just to have a moment by yourself, and we want you to know that as a church, we hear you, we love you, and that we want to offer that time for you to worship God this morning and put all of that aside. If you don't know me, my name is Bo, I am your family ministry director and I am so excited to talk to you about VBS. Yes, we are still doing VBS this summer, but it's going to be different. It's going to be in your own homes. 
Parents, I want you to know that we're not leaning on you to be the teacher. We have made and have incredible videos for you kids to watch and to learn and engage with where you get to put that on and you get to be a part of it if you want to. We are giving you bags that have decorations, that have crafts, that have just great toys and excitement for you kids to get during that week of VBS at home. It will be June 15th through 19th. And you can pick up those bags and register at knoxcalvary.com slash focusvbs. I also want to encourage you to think about any neighbors or any coworkers that have families. This is an amazing opportunity for you to love on them, to hand them a bag and say everything you need for a VBS in your home with videos that are pre-made to watch are right here. And they can watch those if they want. They can just take out all the goodies that are in the bags. But we want our neighbors and our coworkers and our community to feel loved and invited to participate in what we're excited about. So I want you to know that those bags are only possible full of all the goodies because of your giving. So I want you to know now for people in this room that we have new giving boxes in the back that are no contact if you would like to give. And if you're at home, you kind of know the drill by now. The three ways you can give, you can drop it off, you can go online, or you can text it in. But the reason we get to make enough bags for outreach is because of your giving. So thank you for that. And before we get started back into worshiping God and to hearing some amazing message and worshiping with our band, I'm going to pray for us really quickly. God, thank you so much that you are faithful through every storm. Thank you so much that no matter what we're feeling, whether it's loneliness, whether it's being overwhelmed, whether it's not knowing what to do next or not knowing how to act, you are in control. And this time right here, God, I pray that you will take all the worry and everything that's stopping us from connecting with you and push that away. Let us just give that to you knowing you take it. Let us be able to sing with full joy and trust in you and listen to Pastor Dan's message with an open heart, just ready to take in your truths. We love you. Shall we pray? Amen.
Jesus, thank you so much that no matter what comes our way, you can be our firm foundation. And I pray that we stand on you. We put our hope and our faith and our trust in you. That you're in control of all things. You are our solid rock. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. And thank you for this time to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Good morning, church. It's really good to see you. For those of you who are in this room, I've been waiting for this moment, and uh, just bless God. Just thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be back together. For those of you who are at home, maybe you're in your kitchen right now or uh, your family room, wherever you are, welcome to worship. We're delighted to get to have this time together. You know, Paul one time said, though, I can't be with you Uh, physically, I'm with you in spirit. And I feel like God has been so faithful to us during this whole season that our spirits have been connected, that we have stayed uh, together in that way. Let me remind you of what the Apostle Paul said. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. He said, that is why, for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, he is strong. I know some of you are feeling kind of weak this morning. Maybe you're uncomfortable. Uh, For some, I know a couple of people have told me in the first service, they said, it's the first time I ever had a mask on. I haven't worn one through all this. And I said, well, uh, how do you go into places, you know, like Costco or Fresh Mart? They said, I just don't go to those places. <laughs> I just don't go. I know it's intimidating. I know it's a little uncomfortable and it's a little awkward. We get that. But you know what? When you are weak, he is strong in you. He is strong in you. And he's strong in this place today. Now, we have been preparing uh, for this season. And, you know, as you know, Tuesday we move into phase two and whatever that looks like. We just continue to step forward. And I think that's the way it's going to be. Now, I didn't imagine it that way. In the beginning, like back in January, February, I thought there would come a Sunday when we just flipped the switch. You know, we just all walked back in and we celebrated and we were all together. That's not the way it's worked. You know, as I think about that, that's kind of the pattern in the way that God works in my life as well. I mean, every now and then, he'll do something just like in five minutes. But most of the time, more often, he'll do things in phases, in steps, in stages. As I'm illuminating, as my heart and my mind are open to him, he just continues to move me forward. So I think this is a metaphor, and I think God is, is doing that. And I know you're a little uncomfortable in mask. I don't like wearing a mask so much myself, and I only do it when I have to. But I want you to know this. When you wear a mask, you look pretty cool. 
And I love how your personalities just come out in the mask you've chosen or you've had made or whatever. And uh, that's just kind of a cool thing. And I love that about our spirit is that we figure out ways to express ourselves and to be us in the midst of this. But I know you don't like masks, but guess what? You're in really good company. Some of the coolest people ever to walk the planet wore masks. Check this out. Look at that mask, you know? And like I say, I don't like doing it, but I do it sometimes. And sometimes, you know, you see people in masks and they're good guys or they're bad guys and you don't know exactly which one they are by their mask. But they wear them for specific purposes. Some of these people, I don't know, they're not even people. Uh, but, <laughs> but you get the idea that masks have been around for a long time. You know what? I'm not so upset about that. I know it's an inconvenience. It's just temporary. It's just a temporary thing. It's something we do uh, that shows love to our community. I was in a store down the street not long ago, and I didn't have on my mask. I had it in my pocket. And uh, I could tell there were some people near me that were anxious. Have you had any of those moments yet? And you're trying to social distance, but you need to get to the cheddar cheese, you know? And, and so I'm trying to be respectful, but I can't get over there. And I, and I realized by not having that on, I was making some of the folks around me uncomfortable. So I put my mask on. Not because I'm afraid, but because I love Knoxville. Because God has given us a mission, a calling to love this place. You know, Paul said, if you're Jewish and you do all those Jewish things, fine, me too, I'll do it. It doesn't bother me. If you're a Gentile and you don't do that, well, great. Even though I was raised that way my entire life and I'm so used to it, and it'd be easy to fall into that rhythm, you know what, I don't need that anymore because I got Jesus, but I'll do it. It's okay to wear a mask. You know, um, when we went to Eastern Europe several years ago, all of our ladies on our team wore head coverings. Now, I'm looking around the room. Maybe on Easter would you wear a head covering, you know, but most of the time we don't. But when we got there, all the ladies did. I didn't see one lady on any of the trips I went on uh, walk up to any of the other ladies there in Eastern Europe and say, oh, I can't believe you're wearing that head covering. Well, that looks ridiculous. That's just like, we're not going to do that. We're Americans, bless God, and we're not going to, we don't do that in a Baptist church. So we're, we're not going to do it here. No, none of our ladies had that attitude. None of them said that. All of them just quietly and graciously put their head coverings on. Why? Because we love those people and we respect their culture. We can do what they do. It's not sinful. It's not harmful. So I want to thank you for wearing a mask today. Just out of respect. And it's almost a symbol, isn't it? Isn't it just like a word picture or a metaphor of the time we live in? So I hope when this is all over, and it will be over, that you'll keep your mask. Put it in a drawer somewhere or up in the closet. Because one day you'll want to show it to the next generation and the generation that follows them. And you'll talk about the days that we wore masks. You'll be able to take it off. That doesn't bother me so much. You know what bothers me? What grieves my heart? 
is that Sunday after Sunday, week after week, in churches all around the nation, people get up, they come here, and they put on their church mask. You know what I'm talking about? The church mask. We wear that. Sometimes I think the benefit of a church mask is that everybody thinks you've got it all together. And the truth is, sometimes you don't feel nearly as spiritual or as holy you want everybody to think you are. But we know the words. We know how to do this. So we get here. We put on our mask. Maybe these kind of masks are new for you, but that church mask, that's something you're used to. During the time of Christ, the Pharisees were some of the most respected religious leaders of the day. Now, I know in our minds, they're the bad guys, right? Because all the stories in the New Testament, all throughout the Gospels, uh, they're in a negative light. And they're always in opposition to the Gospel, always standing against change. But in that day, most people thought they were the good guys. I mean, they were respected and they were looked to as the holy and the righteous people of Israel. Do you know that even Jesus' disciples were confused when Jesus told them, unless your righteousness exceeds, is greater than that of the Pharisees, you can't get into the kingdom of God. And they thought, oh my goodness. Who can be as righteous as the Pharisees? If we've got to be better than them, we're, we're toast. We, we can't do that. There's no way we can match them. See, but Jesus knew something that the disciples didn't know, that the Pharisees, that nobody else knew. He could see through the masks of the Pharisees. He knew that they were not nearly as secure and holy and righteous as they wanted everybody to believe they were. Now, for weeks, I've come into this room and I've preached to a camera set right up there and just this one little red eye. <laughs> and I asked the Lord, when I was walking this week, um, Lord, I can't see people's faces, but I can see their eyes. Would you just let me see people's eyes? Because there's so much there. and That's how we love and communicate with each other. And I just want to thank the Lord for being so faithful that I get to see your eyes today. can't see your whole face, but that's okay. For weeks, I have preached to that camera and to Kevin. I can see a difference and a change in his life. Week after week. Just preaching to him. And I get up and say, I'm going to preach to Kevin today. <laughs> and he listens respectfully from the back. <laughs> today I get to see your mask. You know what? It's just part of the guidelines. And if you're wearing it, thank you. Thank you for doing that. But Jesus sees right through the mask on your face. And he sees through your church mask. He sees all the way through to your heart. We're not afraid. We don't do this out of fear. But we are Jesus 
to this community. And this is what love does. So if you're wearing this mask, that's okay. If you're wearing a church mask, I'm going to invite you this morning to take that mask off. You don't need that. You don't need that here. Take it off. If you're wearing a church mask to make other people believe that you don't need anybody's help, I'll encourage you to take that mask off. And let your brothers and sisters in Christ love you and support you through whatever it is you're going through. This pandemic is sweeping over all of us, the good and the bad, the just and the unjust. Everyone is experiencing this. But there are particular specific things in your life that you're going through that you don't have to go through all by yourself. You do not have to isolate your heart from others. So take that mask off. Take that mask off. Here's the big idea from today's message. The church needs men and women who show grace and goodness in difficult situations. So how do we apply that? What do we do next? Here's the action point. Courage, I think it was Ernest Hemingway who said this, courage is grace under pressure. I like that definition. That has a requirement. A leap of faith. A belief that God will provide a way. And it's giving careful attention to the voice of God. Listening to Him. Now I looked through Scripture and saw so many pictures of courage, of grace under pressure. But there's one that got my attention, and I thought I'd use that as our text today to kind of illustrate this, and it's in 1 Samuel. There was a lot of pressure uh, during that time, you know, and, and as followers of the Lord, sometimes we feel that. Even though we're in grace and we're in Christ, we feel that pressure, and Samuel felt that pressure. He was active during the reign of King Saul, not particularly impressed with the leadership of Saul, but then who was? And as chapter 16 begins, the Lord says this to Samuel. He asks a question. How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. And then God instructs Samuel to fill his horn, take his, you know, put with oil, and, and take a trip to see a man named Jesse who lived in a little town called Bethlehem. And the Lord tells Samuel that he's identified a new king and that this king would come from one of the, the sons of Jesse. It would come from Jesse's uh, family. But Samuel, who's very pragmatic, even though he's a prophet, you know, and these guys were so bold, they were so courageous, did so many crazy things uh, for the Lord. But he, he's thinking, you know, okay, how's this going to work? And I understand that. You know, all week, for weeks actually, we've been Martha's. Your staff has been, we've been the Martha's. And we've used whiteboards and we've, you know, walked this place and we've thought through things and we've tried to, you know, work behind the scenes uh, to continue to take us forward. But today, we're Mary's. Today, we get to worship. Today, uh, this comes together. And so, this is the experience that Samuel is, is kind of a feeling. You know, he says... How can I go? How are we going to do this? And he makes a real practical point. He said, if Saul hears of it, he'll kill me. 
Samuel knows that Saul is desperate, he's powerful, he's ruthless. and He won't stop. He has the resources and the means and the authority. He would not hesitate to remove anybody who stood in his way. So God comes up with a cover for Samuel. It's in verse 2 and 3. He says, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you what you shall do. Sometimes God tells you up front, this is the way it's going to work, and he says, no, when you get there, you just go. You just make that visit, make that call. When you get there, you just listen for my voice. He said, I'll show you what to do, and you shall anoint for me the one to whom I will name to you. And then Samuel, believing that God was with him, takes a leap of faith. He hits the road for Bethlehem. During this pandemic, I'm sure there have been several times when you've taken similar leaps. They not, might not be as high, they might not be as far, and they may be unique to you. They may be just very personal steps of faith that you've had to take that the people around you didn't, but they were steps, they were leaps of faith, trusting that God's with you. All these leaps of faith require courage. They, re- they require this grace under pressure. And the good news from 1 Samuel is that God provides a way. God doesn't simply say to Samuel, I want you to go and I want you to anoint this king. So good luck with that. I'll see you when you get back. He doesn't do that at all. And he doesn't do that with you. No, the Lord recalculated a path for Samuel to walk, one that would not even raise the suspicions of King Saul at all. And when we face these challenging situations, like the one we've been through and like the ones we will go through again, the Lord will be with us too. This isn't just stories. This isn't just, oh, they were Bible people. No, this is for us. This is for you. Even when God recalculates your path, he'll give you outstanding guidance through his spirit in your spirit about how to go forward. We're at different places. Some of your students, employees, single adults, your marriage partners, your friends, your church members, all these roles, God steps in to each one of those. By speaking and acting in ways that are consistent with our faith, we can walk in hope. We can walk in love. And we can show grace under pressure. This may become one of the distinguishing characteristics about followers of Jesus in this time. We can face uncertainty. We can face danger. But with confidence. Because we know something. Knowing that the Holy Spirit will give us leadership and all the power that we need. Samuel discovers this to be true. He strolls right into Bethlehem, you know, like the king of England. He walks in. The elders of the city, they're just like the elders of our city. 
If you've been keeping up, and I know most of us watch the news and we read the news every day, and you see international leaders, you see health leaders and political people, and you see from the top all the way down to our local city, everybody's trying to make the right decisions. Everybody's trying to guess what should we do next. And then they're going to be second-guessed the next day, and they're going to have to remake decisions. I have no idea of the pressure of that. I only get just a tiny taste, just as a pastor, trying to make sure that we take care of you and do the right thing, but we want to go forward. I thought, wow, Lord, that's just a fraction. That's just a drop. So these elders were nervous when they see Samuel walking into town. They're shaking. They come up to meeting in verse 4. They say, you know, the first greeting instead of, hey, Sam, well, hey, it's good to see you. You haven't been around in a while. How are the kids? Ain't your mama okay? They don't do any of that. They just come around and say, do you come peacefully? What are you up to? Why are you here? They know there's conflict in the land. They know that Saul's been rejected as king. And Israel at that time was as divided a country as our country is divided today. There were the red state people who didn't want to have anything to do with the blue state people. And there are the blue state people who didn't like the red state people. Same kind of situation. And they didn't know. Is he here to intensify the tensions? Is this a powder keg? Is he going to cause everything to explode in the little town of Bethlehem? But Samuel says this, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and sanctify yourselves. Come to the sacrifice with me. Do you see the picture of love there? Do you see that's what love does? The people who don't agree with you, who have a different opinion about everything. We're not called just to debate with them and to argue with them. No, what love does is that we say, would you come and sanctify yourself? Would you come and sacrifice to the Lord with me? With me. I know you're different from me. I know you've got a different accent. I know you appear different. I know that the outwardness is, is not the same. But this is what love does. Then he invites Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice. How convenient. Samuel becomes this calming presence and influence for the people of Bethlehem. And I think that's one of the purposes that, why God has us here in Knoxville. Whatever part of town you live in, I think that's one of the reasons we're here, our presence. So we do the same thing today. We're not here to stir up trouble. We're here to perform ministry. You know, we gather for worship. And you know, like Kevin said a little while ago, we sometimes could take that for granted or we say it almost as a cliche and without really thinking. But now... We say it with meaning. We say it with enthusiasm, with emotion. We gather for worship. And lots of things happen when we gather. Whether you are in your home today or whether you're in this room, there's something powerful about corporate worship. When we confess our sins, when we say blessings over one another, when we hear God's word, when we pray for ourselves, when we pray for others, when we celebrate the sacraments, when we sing together, there's something about that. We affirm God's beauty and his love in our lives. And that's a witness, it's a testimony to this community. 
And our gathering should always be done just like Samuel did when he came into Bethlehem peaceably with extended grace for our brothers and sisters and for others, whatever their opinions are that are different from ours. I get that sometimes our Christian faith may have political implications. I understand that that might be true. And we will have to address moral issues that shape the choices we make as individuals, as a church, as well as how that affects the decisions of our elected leaders. I know there will be those moments, and we'll have to stand firm. We will have to show grace under pressure in a different way. But when we worship, there's not a lot of room for politics in the church. Like Samuel, we focus on sanctifying ourselves and making sacrifices to the Lord and coming together calmly and consistently is powerful and it's and it's and it's a way we show that we are under grace even when we feel pressure so if you're home today and you're worshiping thank you god bless you if you're in this room and you showed courage, and maybe there was a little bit of hesitancy before you opened that car door and stepped in. And for many of us, this is probably the biggest crowd we've been in since this started. It is for me. But it's a powerful thing. Now, when this began to unfold, Samuel, doing what I would do, he takes a look at each one of the sons of Jesse, and he listens carefully to what God is saying to him. That's key. And at first, he looks at Eliab. Duh. I mean, Eliab is like the Michael Jordan of this. You know, and he looks at him, but God says, no. He says this to Samuel. He says, do not look on his appearance. And then here's my favorite part of the verse. It's one of my life scriptures. It says, or on the height of his stature. Amen. He says, because I have rejected him, for the Lord does not see as mortals see, they look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. It takes courage to look beyond the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. Look, on the, look at the heart. Look at the heart. Well, Jesse calls Abinadab. And Samuel thinks maybe, and the Lord says no. And this happens again and again and again, about seven times. And, the, and Jesse just keeps parading these guys by him. And as they trot by, Samuel goes, nope, nope, nope. And then he's starting to get a little confused. He's starting to get a little anxious. And he looks at Jesse and he says, is this it? Are you sure? He says, in, 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 are, the, are all your sons here? I'm sure what I heard what the Lord said. But, uh, and then Jesse goes, oh, oh there's, there's one more. I, I forgot. Yes, there, there is um, the youngest. Uh, he, I don't think he's going to be the one, but, you know, he's out keeping sheep. And Samuel says, call him in. We're not going to sit out. We're going to wait till he gets here. And when he comes, when he arrives, in verse 11, it says, The Lord says to Samuel, rise and anoint him, for he is the one. He is the one. 
Now, Samuel anoints David as king. He doesn't function that way, but he's anointed as king in the presence of his brothers. And here's what Scripture says. In verse 13, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that moment forward. The Spirit of the Lord is powerful in you. Now, I know after this, maybe when the hoopla was over, David thought, well, I need to get back to the sheep. And so back he went, taking care of you know, his job and doing what he needed to do. So he didn't act very kingly at that moment, but the Spirit of the Lord was powerful in him. In your weakness, the Lord is powerful in you. Don't forget that it's his spirit in you. It's his, his, whatever you're doing, whatever your response, however weak you feel on the outside. We're going to see people as God sees people. And when we do that, there's going to be some bravery that's required. Because we have to purposefully choose beyond outward appearance and listen to his spirit in our spirit. Grace under pressure is shown when we, his people, his body, Jesus to Knoxville, when we show patience and goodness in difficult situations, when we take a leap of faith, believing that God will provide a way, and when we listen carefully to what God is saying. When we do this, we will show each other. We will show our families, our community, our neighborhoods, our apartment complexes, our city, that God is always at work developing new hope in Jesus in people's lives through our courage, through our willingness to love. One of the unexpected things that's happened in my life through this is that some of my neighbors, some of my friends or acquaintances have said, hey, we've been watching your church online. I've been listening to some of your Bible studies. These are folks who would never, or at least they haven't yet, ever stepped foot in our or anybody else's church. In fact, if you were to measure things in that way, and I'm not a big measure guy, uh, you would see the attendance has actually jumped or doubled since the pandemic. God is doing something in his way through us and through your courage and your faithfulness that may be surprising. Father, thank you today for giving us grace under pressure. Thank you for trusting us to extend love to people all around us. I hope that this week we would be able to ignore outward appearances and opinions and differences, that we would love the people that you bring into our lives, that we would love each other well. And at the end of this, that would be the attribute that we're remembered for, that would be our legacy. That would be your glory. And that would be what draws people into the kingdom of God through Jesus. In his name, we give you praise and we ask for that. Amen.
We want to thank everyone for being here today, whether you're online or here in person. We are blessed uh, 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 to have you uh, as part of our fellowship today. Um, just want to remind you as you leave today, you're going to see giving boxes at the door, and those are made available to you. If you need a pen, they're in the foyer, and so just let you know about that. Also, as we exit, we want to do this in a, in a way that is uh, the most healthy way we can. So we're going to start with the people in the back and let you exit, and as you look over your shoulder and you see people have left, you go ahead, and we ask that you not uh, congregate in this auditorium or in the foyer, but that you'll go ahead and exit the building and practice social distancing outside. Thank you so much. God bless. Have a wonderful week.